Hello, everyone. This is Chase Avery. You're listening to 88.1 FM, WNTH Radio, the voice of New Trier. And this is Bases Loaded. Another great episode. We just finished off a very good episode with Cespedes Family Barbecue. What an interview. I mean, those guys were great, weren't they? And now, today's episode, we got a lot of topics to cover. KBO Baseball is here. And man, it is exciting and fun to watch. Aaron, We got Aaron out there just going out there hitting bombs you know what I mean Tyler Saldino hitting line drives in the gap it is a sight to see let me tell you and let me let's talk about those leg kicks that they have in the KBO I mean what's up with that how do you guys think that really started just you know a lot of Korean and Japanese players have very high leg leg kicks is do you think that comes from you know one certain coach or what's the culture and how do you feel like those leg kicks really come about. Are you saying like hitting leg kicks or pitching? Uh, hitting leg kicks. Well, I feel like at have... least here in the U.S., there's kind of like the one like standard accepted like swing that people teach. I'm guessing just like the common things that coaches say, like knob to the ball, stuff like that. Even if some of that may not be the best way to hit, that's kind of like, the common viewpoint, like the common swing that is just taught around the U.S. Um, I'm guessing in Korea, for whatever reason, they, some of the early players in that league started using big leg kicks, and that kind of is what's gotten passed down. Well, I know that a lot of the Asian countries, when they're teaching baseball, they take a lot um, – like more into their legs as their power. And I know that that's both pitching and hitting wise, that especially the Japanese and the Korean baseball players really get all their power from the legs. And that's why you see a lot of the Asian pitchers like taking slow motions with their legs and hitters taking big lead ins. And that's just not taught. It's taught differently in America for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was always taught that with a leg kick that kind of, it was, a stride or a leg kick it was just mainly for timing I, I I knew the like power really came from the hips and the lower body but uh when I was taught it was usually just if you stride out to the pitcher that's just your timing so I don't know if it's because you know they want to get more power like Zach said or if it's more of a timing mechanism and I know they do kind of throw a little bit slower over there in Japan and Korea so I don't know if that goes into effect there because in the MLB and in the minors they're pitching a lot of players can pitch in the mid nineties, high nineties, and that you don't really see that as much in Asia. So I wonder if that has anything to do a leg kick. Well, actually I'm going to add to, I think in America, it's more based on the like hip shoulder separation. If you know what that means, they really want to use their hips. People tell you hit with your hips, getting the torque and pitching with your hips. And I think Asia, it's just a little different like that, that they use their legs. They also do, use their hips as power, but it's a lot of legs for sure. Something also that I do know, we're going to get to Eric Thames pretty soon, but I do remember that when he went to go play in Korea, people there were just like amazed. They said people like him don't exist in Korea just because he is so big, has just like massive biceps, just like super muscular upper body. And people like that – 
don't exist in Korea, basically. So they don't have the guy, as many guys in America who have, like, massive biceps, can hit – basically have arms that are strong enough just to hit it out on their own. They have to use their whole bodies to get power behind the ball. It's a different training regimen here and there, for sure. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I also did notice when I watched the Samsung Lions play the Dinos. I'm not sure where the Dinos are from, but I, I watched them play. And the dimensions of the park that they were playing in were very short. I mean, it was, especially in like left center, it was like 360 or something. Like it was kind of, I feel like it, it looked a lot smaller than a, an MLB ballpark for sure. And the, the, uh, fencing the fencing um the netting down the line is much closer to the foul line Uh, one player was literally standing on the foul line and had to reach over into the net to make a catch for a ball so uh it's probably like that I feel like in a lot of stadiums and when the Mariners played last year in the regular season in Japan I remember that was the dome and that was also very very small dimension so you know it's just kind of interesting how maybe those have an impact on how their mechanics of the game are too. And like maybe hitting wise, just trying to maybe go for more gappers. I'm not sure, but I, that's what I noticed was that the dimensions were a lot shorter mm-hmm. in those ballparks. What's also different that I know in Korea is that, um, and this is actually also again, like Asia, all the Asian baseball countries is they don't, mud rub the balls if you don't know that in the MLB they rub the balls with mud to get a better grip and it's not it doesn't show too much and a lot of players do use pine tar and stuff which is slightly illegal but they don't rub it at all and it's just a clean ball and that's why a lot more pitchers in Korea and Japan throw splitters instead of change-ups because those are easier with like a clean ball so yeah you guys who are your guys' KBO teams to watch? Who are your favorite teams? My, my favorite team is the Samsung Lions just because they have Tyler Saldino, former White Sox, and he was batting in the three-hole for them when I watched them play. But they lost, and they're not really living up to expectations, but it is still very early on in the season. But that's kind of who I'm going for. They also have uh, playing the NC Dinos, who – after three games look like they have the best offense in the league and just absolutely dominated those three games against Samsung. So obviously only one series. We don't know if NC is really good or if Samsung is just terrible, but obviously can't read too much into three games. Um, the team I've been following is the Kiwoom Heroes. Um, what I like about the Kiwoom Heroes is that they're a very new team introduced in the league in 2008. Um, one of the newer, newer teams, I think the KT Wiz are the, the newest team, but second to the Kiwoom Heroes. They play, I know that they play in the stadium that was played in the World Baseball Classic, the Dome. I know net, like, Jerickson Profar in the Netherlands played there. I think Team Israel played there. The Gochuk Skydome, uh, which is in Seoul. And they're the only team that is not bought by a 
company. So Samsung Hero, Samsung Lions, they're bought by Samsung, of course. The Kia okay. Tiger is bought by Kia. So common, you might think that the Samsung, Samsung Lions play in Samsung South Korea, but they everybody pretty much plays in or around Seoul, which is like the New York City of Korea. And instead of having their city name, it's a company that's bought yeah. with a team. Do the companies own the team or do they just like pay a lot of money to sponsor them? I think they do actually own the team. I read, I watched a video about uh, the Kia Tigers and it seems just like they're, they're like the, the Yankees of this league. It seems like they have the most, they have 11 championships, which is by far the most. And, like the Yankees, yeah. Right. And it, it seems like Kia, like, I mean, obviously, I, it's a big company in the United States, so uh, that probably translates to payroll and mm-hmm. success over there. My team that I've been rooting for since day one of the season is the Lot Giants. They've got um, Deho Lee, former MLB player. They have Dan Straley, former MLB player. Started, he started opening day for them. And Dixon Machado, who was a triple-A shortstop for the Iowa Cubs, he hit a go-ahead home run in the opening day game, late in the game. Um, yeah, they've one of my favorite teams. Something that's interesting is, according to Joey Mellows on Twitter, baseball bit, he's a big, like, KBO fan who I follow. He has, like, equivalents for every team. The Lot Giants are the equivalent of the Chicago Cubs, he says. Perfect. Probably may not have had much success over their life, over their history, but I don't know. What are the Lions? What are the Samsung Lions? Samsung Lions are the Atlanta Braves. Um, guessing yeah. that probably means it's a team that's had a lot of success, but maybe never won at all, or had struggled in the playoffs. Of course, like the 90s Braves to the early 2000s made like 14 straight playoff appearances, only won once. And Is there any team that's the White Sox? No White Sox equivalent. The key room heroes, Jack's team, is the Tampa Bay Rays. So, also fitting. Wow. Also fits really well, which I was kind of interested in. Um, yeah, there's no White Sox equivalent. Uh, the Kia Tigers, I said, are the St. Louis Cardinals. Dusan Bears of the Yankees. So those are probably the two most successful teams. What about the Dinos? Yeah, the NC Dinos, who are probably the team I like. They have have the best mascot in the league, a guy named Swole Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) Which is hilarious to me. They are the Milwaukee Brewers equivalent, which is one of my favorite NL teams, I know. What about the LG Twins? They're like... I read something. They're like the Mets. I don't know if that's. Is that I think what they're it like the Twins. This, <laughs> well, this guy. <laughs> this guy said they're like the Dodgers for whatever reason. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I, this guy is an LG Twins fan, so he probably knows pretty well. I wonder if they another team with lots of playoff appearances, lots of success, and no titles, or something like that. But yeah, interesting. I don't. In the KBO, I'm also interested in kind of how 
you can't really like rebuild and I'm pretty sure there's no salary cap. So I'm assuming it's really just the teams really try to go after like high level minor league players or old MLB players like Adam Jones. He's in, in Japan though, or but um, would get paid more in Asia than they would in, by playing in the MLB or in the minors. So I'm assuming that's kind of how most teams try to upgrade their rosters. But I'm also interested in if any time, if like baseball in Asia does get to a point where it's better than the minor leagues, but not like better than the minor leagues, not better than the major leagues, obviously, but maybe teams in the major leagues would maybe try to send their prospects over to Asia to play games instead of play them in the minor leagues. That's interesting. I wonder, I'm not sure if this would be legal in any way, but if a team like say the Tampa Bay Rays wanted to form a partnership with the Key Room Heroes to send, basically use them as another minor league team, I doubt that's legal now. Um, Actually, there might not be any rule against it, but it's not, it's obviously would be difficult saying, drafting a kid from Mississippi and sending him to Korea to go play. Um, now I, nowadays, I know when MLB teams sell a player to Korea, they obviously have to have the player's permission to do that. You can't just sell a guy you don't want. But it's interesting. I know KBO teams are limited in the number of foreign players. I think it's like three or five. Three, players. yeah. Um, so they can't have – they can't just have 20 washed-up guys from – triple a that they attract over but in most of these teams it does look like the former the american players seem to be some of the stars even guys like preston tucker audrey same despagne guys who have not had much success in their major league careers Aaron at least a couple games look like stars over there well i know yeah. that for i don't know who this was i'll I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure like a a MLB team bought a player from Korea, and in instead of like giving just like giving money to the team, they like funded a new stadium, which I thought was unique. Like mm-hmm. an MLB team like paid for um, the stadium. That's so. still probably just giving money. But right. it's just yeah. But I, cash I, considerations. Yeah. I think yeah, the, uh, KBO in Japan probably aren't close to what the triple triple A level would be. But if maybe someday it did get, come close to it, it, I think it'd be kind of fun to see maybe if teams like Jacob said maybe made a deal with uh, teams over there in Asia. I feel like that'd be kind of cool. But they'd have to agree with that also. Right now, I think the equivalent is KBO is about double-A, and yeah. Japan is about triple-A, maybe not quite triple-A level. Um, so, yeah, it definitely would be interesting, but obviously a lot of logistical difficulties to be sending players to Korea. And, a lot, and maybe they would try to maybe shift the schedule of when like the KBO in J- Japan would play, maybe it'd be more like a Dominican winter league and they'd play it more in the winter. Uh, but I know they also do get snow over there. So 
weather for me. I think most and, teams have domes though, actually. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I know Tokyo that. Dome. Yeah, I feel like that that'd be kind of cool just watching some young prospects play over there and then get called up and play in the U.S. That'd be a lot of jet lag, though. I'm not sure how that worked. Sure. But if they play in the winter, I mean, the season it wouldn't have started yet. So, but um, I also I was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw that video. It was like it went like viral of like that guy doing those crazy like bat bat spins on deck, and like it was like a high school baseball game in Japan, and it looked like like high school baseball there in Japan is like the equivalent to like high school football here, and it oh, looked I so think- hype. There's like, it's actually bigger, yeah. Yeah. In Japan, there is, like, one tournament with, like, mm-hmm. every single high school team in the country basically plays in. And it's, like, the biggest sporting event of the year. Um, something else that's interesting in it is that since this is, like, the biggest, like, moment of the most of the players' lives, the coaches will just, like, have pitchers throw, like, 300 pitches. They have, like, three games a day. They'll just complete game. And then go do it again the next day, basically. They just go all out for this one tournament. And it's huge. It's a huge event. It's all on live TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so fun to watch. I was actually in Japan a few years ago talking to a local who was – he'd actually – he knew a lot of English. He moved from, like, Canada. And talking about how the high school baseball tournament, it's countrywide and it's huge. It's almost every single high school in the country. And the championship game is on TV. Everyone watches it. And they go all out. It's a huge, huge event. Yeah. Do we want Jack, to do... Jack, how do you feel about maybe the KBO becoming somewhat of a minor league level to the MLB? Well, it's just so, like, there's only so many players in the KBO that have, that the MLB teams are interested in that it's hard. I mean, it's one, first of all, it's overseas. So it's not like you could eat, like, it's not like the Dominican league where it's so much more accessible to just send players there. I feel like sending so many players, like especially players, like not born in Korea that, you know, aren't accustomed to the culture, especially some of the Latin guys. I just feel like that'd just be, such an adjustment to make to play in Korea that um, I don't see like I don't see it becoming like a Dominican league where it becomes like a a place for major league affiliated baseball. There's also and, a huge talent like gap in Korea. Like I know in the MLB, the any hitter could pretty much get a hit off any pitcher if you gave him enough chances. Um, Probably any, I'd say any MLB hitter would hit, could get a hit at least one out of 10 times against the best pitchers in the league. Mm-hmm. In Korea, the gap between the best and worst players is huge. Like, you'll have some like 17 year old going up against Odrisame Despagne, who has pitched in the big leagues, has, even though he hasn't had much success, um, has dominated that league. So it would be difficult sending prospects there just because the competition level can be so varied, I guess. That is true. Uh, Drew Sierra just 
Idris Amir to Spagne, man. He was just lights out in MLB, wasn't he? It was pretty great. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Let's so, do. I, well, I was, when I was we were and Zach was talking about Eric Thames earlier, and I did read an article on MLB.com talking about how like the KBO prepared him for the MLB, mm-hmm. and he and he did say that in the KBO it's much different because they do throw a lot more stuff than because they don't have that velocity, so they do throw a lot like Zach said, a lot more splitters, curveball sliders, and I feel like if that was for younger prospects, that would actually in some ways help them be more accustomed to the MLB too. Because when he came back from the KBO, he had some great success. He hit, I think like four close to 40 plus home runs one year uh, when he came back 31, when he came back from uh, the KBO. So I don't know. I think it'd be pretty fun though. Yeah. Yeah, Let's do a deep dive on Eric Thames. Um, Shall we? He's an interesting person. Yeah. He had a, only calisthenics, right, Zach? Yeah, I'm going to get into that actually later. But yeah, he was let's a guy. Start. We'll get Go into ahead. it, but he was a guy who the KBO had a big impact on his career. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I, a lot of info about Eric Thames. Yeah. We're going to dive into. I actually found out he started out as a shortstop in high school. Along um, with most, almost every MLB yeah. position player right. prospect and at some point plays shortstop. But. I just found it's interesting that yeah. now he's such a big dude, he, he could never mm-hmm. play shortstop like mm-hmm. ever again. Uh, he went to community college in 2005 and then he transferred to Pepperdine. He was the West Coast Conference MVP in 2008. Yeah. And he was actually drafted in the seventh round. In, he got drafted once. He didn't sign. He was drafted in the seventh round the year after, but he was expected to be in the first to third round, but he was injured at the time. He was uh, drafted to the Blue Jays, right? Yeah, so initially, yeah, so he was, he, in high school, he only played two years on the varsity team, which generally, when you think of guys who are MLB prospects, you think, since a young age, they've probably been dominating. But Thames seemed to be a bit of a late bloomer, two years on varsity, went to community college, did not really seem like the type of guy that was going to be an MLB prospect. Uh, after two years, he went to Pepperdine, played left and right field for them. He didn't have a great junior year. No homers. Did hit 320, uh, but no home runs. Only 44 RBI in 53 games, which is decent, but not probably not one of the better players in that in a college baseball league. He was, though, drafted 39th round by the Yankees, understandably wanted to go back to school and do better. 2008 hits 407, 13 homers. 1.28 1.28 OPS, absolutely dominated, did win West Coast Conference MVP, ended up losing the Stanford team with Jason Castro, Drew Storen on it, was drafted seventh round by the Blue Jays, would have gone first through third round, but he was injured at the end of his senior year. So he went to the Blue Jays uh, in 2000. Eight, he was drafted, but didn't play until the beginning of 2009 due to that injury. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and is, 
his nickname from Korea is Sang Nanja, which means basically means badass or the real man. Yes. Yeah. So I've also get... heard I've also heard him nicknamed as just God, God. in Korea. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got his career stats in in the KBO. It was over three seasons, twenty fourteen to sixteen. Right. Uh, he hit three forty nine, one hundred twenty four home runs, three hundred eighty two RBIs, and his uh, OPS was one point one seven eight. He absolutely raked for three straight years. Something 1. interesting. One seven eight. Wow. Yeah. I'm Something surprised he was there for that. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah. So he. Throughout the minors, he kind of dominated the minor leagues. Seventh round pick, you usually think they may have an outside chance at the big leagues, but he got there in 2011 after really just two and a half years in the minors, which is pretty impressive. In the when he got to the big leagues, he started off like he started off super hot, uh, hit 876 OPS in the first half, but then just kind of fell off a cliff. Could not hit lefties at all. Didn't do great against righties and just kind of flattened out. Basically, first three seasons had, was like a 240 hitter, would hit about 12 home runs a season. So, fringe guy, got, he'd get sent down to AAA a lot and dominate, get called back up and not do anything. So, got, he was on Toronto, got traded to Seattle, got traded to Baltimore, got traded to Houston, and just couldn't stand, couldn't fit. Goes to Korea. All right. Life change. Before he goes to Korea, before we move there, I've yes. got some fun, some fun facts. Mm-hmm. When the Mariners designated Thames for assignment, which MLB The Show 16 slash 17 oh, I know. legend uh, took his place on the 40-man roster? I know. No clue. I know. Franklin Gutierrez. That's right. Yeah. Franklin Gutierrez, another unique career. We should oh, yeah. maybe go go there sometime. Yeah. Also, when Thames was dealt from the Mariners to the Orioles, both Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mint's favorite teams right there. Yeah. Uh, Sess for this family barbecue trade. Yeah. He was wow. he was traded for this this guy was the only MLB, uh, he was the only active MLB player on the 2017 World Baseball Classic Team Israel team. I know. Ty Kelly? Ty Kelly. Ty Kelly. Ty Kelly, Mets infielder. Also, you'll like this, Jack. When he was playing on Baltimore, he was in AAA for them and then must have gotten injured because he went to play five games in the Gulf Coast League where he was teammates with an 18-year-old Chance Cisco. Wow. Just drafted. There you go. Jack's but yeah, so player. after he went to Baltimore, got traded to Houston and got, rele- got claimed off waivers by Houston, Houston released him. Before he went to Korea, he actually went to the Venezuelan Winter League. He played for Los Leones de Caracas. And honestly, this team he was on is just insane. This roster had Jesus Aguilar, who would eventually take his job as the Brewers' first baseman. This team had a 39-year-old Bobby Abreu. This team had a young J.D. Martinez, who was a couple weeks away from getting cut by the Houston Astros. And 
starting his ascent with the Detroit Tigers. Had a 20-year-old Eugenio Suarez. Wow. Had Jesus Sucre, who is, might have one of the best names in baseball history, translating to Sweet Jesus. This team also had Hector Rondon, Mike Fires, Colin McHugh, a 20-year-old Felipe, yeah, 20-year-old Felipe Vazquez, and Jumbo Diaz on this one random Venezuelan league winter team. And they ended up coming in third place behind Zambrano's team who won the championship. Wow. Big Z. Yeah. So wow. he plays he plays nine games for that team. It's two homers, eight forty-five OPS, does pretty well. Then he goes off to Korea. Where something interesting too, he had never played a single inning at first base before he goes to Korea. <laughs> Once he I, gets to Korea, he plays pretty much nothing but first base. That ends up that winning kind of, two gold gloves. That kind of backs my opinion on Zach's not going to like this, but you know, if you're above six feet and if you're, he was he's a lefty. He's a lefty, right? No, he's a right-handed. No, right-handed. He's right-handed but it, whatever. I think most people can really play first base if you have if you're pretty tall and yeah. you don't really need I, to play that well defense at first base really anymore. And, Especially in the MLB, it does, it just doesn't seem. I mean, I think it takes some skill. You can't just put anyone over there. I mean, the I good like first basemen. The good first basemen are, are really like you can tell that they're Gold Glove caliber at first mm-hmm. base. Whereas like, the 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 Jose Abreu's and Edwin Carnacion's, they they I mean they just they don't their bat is needed in the lineup that. It really doesn't matter for them, though. Right. I think pretty much anyone can be competent at first base with some coaching and with at least being six feet tall. Obviously, like Matt Olson, there's very good first baseman, but... 5'11", you're cut. Hmm? 5'11", you're cut. <laughs> but big guys can play who can pretty much be taught first base pretty quickly. And in Thames's case, ended up winning two gold gloves in Korea, though. Mm-hmm. He also, two-time All-Star, won MVP after hitting 47 home runs in 2015. Uh, batting champ, he was the batting champion that year, hitting 381. He led the league in OBP, slugging as well, runs, triple crown. And also, he appeared on the yeah. Korean version uh- of the Masked Singer, Mm-hmm. Wow. Which I will now play for you. One of the oh. worst shows of all time. <laughs> I agree. Mm-hmm. But Eric Thames sang a song called Americano on the Mask Stinger, which I have. Scary. Right. I feel like Eric Thames would be a really good coach just due to kind of the struggle he had throughout his the beginning of his professional career Chase, you and know who else just to be a really good coach omar Vizcal. omar Vizcal would be a good coach <laughs> we've already discussed this but i think that Eric Thames would be a great coach because also not just because of the just his early struggles early on and kind of persevering through them but also because of just the culture he's been around like jacob said he's, pl- he's played in america venezuela played juco ball played in college and then played in korea back to the he Mercedes. was able to change his swing to make it make himself much more successful 
But first, let me well, show you guys yeah. his amazing let's, singing Let's voice. listen to this. Let's listen God. to the Eric thing. Here it is. So yeah, he's a very, very talented man in many yeah. ways. Also, Jacob, you forgot to mention in this 2015 MVP season, not mm. only did he hit over 40 home runs, but he stole for 40 bases. Yes, yes. Which the most stolen bases he had in his in a major league season was his 2017 breakout uh, season with the Brewers with only four. So. Yeah, I'm, I looked back at his minor league stats, too. The most he ever got was eight in the season. Um, in college, the most he got was 11. He was never very fast. And then suddenly, he, he steals yoga, I think. 40 bases. And then, but after that, he goes back down 13 the next year, and now 4-7 in MLB. It's it's weird. That is, I mean, you don't. That's not yeah. usually a stat where you see a lot of fluctuation. Fluctuation, yeah. For some reason, when I was like, I remember watching when he was an All Star. I think it was what 2017, 2016. He wasn't an All Star. I don't know. He, he, he was. A, he had a great. Season. He. I. I think he did make an All Star. He had a great season at one point. I remember. No, no All Star games. No All Star. But they did show whatever they did show. Yeah, like there was. They interviewed him, and he said he did a, does a lot did a lot of calisthenics and a lot of yoga. And I remember him saying that's kind of how he got that. faster and a lot stronger. Well, you guys know him as a really jacked player. If you've seen him without a shirt on, he looks incredible. But I did notice one day, probably about a year ago, someone asked him on his Instagram. He was doing ask me a question on Instagram. Someone said, "What's your bench press max?" and people assume he bench presses a lot and his reply was no bench light to moderate overhead work for mobility or diver bomb push-ups slash yoga push-ups i think it's incredible that a guy that jacked doesn't bench press and he just does other types mm -hmm. of exercises to get that strong i think he did he i'm sure he definitely did do some weights in especially in college because you kind of have to do that in college and in high school, I'm sure he did that, but probably Maybe, after that. But I don't think – I know a lot of MLB players and baseball players in general don't do, like, the straight-up bench press, but they take, like, dumbbells at, like, a 45-degree angle and do that type of chest press. So I'm assuming that's what he did. But a lot of different types of push-ups, really good. Yeah. That, that's what a guy, I mean. Eric Thames. I mean, kind of washed now, but he is on the Nationals. He so what when he came back his April four sixty six OBP eight ten slugging eleven homers in April that's then very, he kind of cooled off move. he still can't hit lefties um and then in twenty eighteen he had, was had a decent start and then got a thumb injury he tore a ligament yeah. in his thumb sure. which even though he came back by June that's the kind of injury 
where it can really mess you up for a while just because it's hard to swing a bat. He might have had to wear some tape or a brace on it. You just kind of got in his way. And in 2019, he bounced back. He had an 851 OPS, 25 homers, a solid year. Yeah, that OPS is actually very good. Yeah. Yeah, his best OPS in a season before he went to Korea was 769. And then he comes back and he seems to be pretty consistent above 800 with his OPS, even when he was injured he had a 783 OPS that year I remember Thames when he had that 11 home run April I just remember like reading things where like they would drug test him after every three games because he would just hit another home run Mm -hmm. and the size of him also could attribute to that but uh, what's unique is like a guy coming from you know, he got to, I guess he got to play spring training, but a guy who had played in Korea for the last four years, I wouldn't think he would start off that hot. Maybe once he felt, uh, once he hit the groove back in the MLB, then he'd start to, you know, get comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it, what was unique is right away, he was already tearing, tearing every National League pitcher apart. Yeah, it's weird. He seems like he seemed like he'd be the type of guy that started slow as he adjusted, but it basically looked like pitchers didn't know how to pitch to him. He really overhauled his swing, his mechanics, and then eventually they kind of figured out what he changed and were able to get him out more effectively. But for that month, he just dominated, mm-hmm. and it was fun to watch. I'm not long. I'm not sure how long his contract is, but I'm sure probably towards the end of his career he'll probably want to go to an AL team and also have a chance of maybe just doing DH. And I, that'd probably be interesting to see how maybe, because some players do after they stop playing first base and become a DH. A lot of players do actually mm-hmm. hit somewhat better because they can just focus on hitting and whatnot. But I'm not sure. I, I wonder if going back to Jack talking about Eric Thames being drug tested after he hits all those home runs. Do you guys think like Aristides Aquino was like drug tested last year after he was just started going off it would, it would probably <laughs> but what I think like part of the reason Thames was drug tested was because just like the size of his muscles yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. which yeah. is like Barry Bonds ass Aristides Aquino is just like a stick but he's he just bombs. like a mass massive anyway so yeah tall yeah, so Thames went the first year he came back mostly played first base and then Jesus Aguilar kind of broke out. So he's been playing a lot more out, uh, corner outfield recently. The Nationals yeah. do have a pretty good outfield. They have Soto locked in left field. Then they got Adam Eaton in right. And Robles. Victor Robles in center. They got uh, Michael A. Taylor. They have options. So I'm guessing he's going to play mostly first base for Washington. But he's always been a decent fielder. Not bad enough that he's going to hurt a team. But playing more for space is definitely something I think that could help him. Well, what I, what I, there's Ryan uh, Zimmerman. Just uh, yeah, well, I was gonna I'm, say, I imagine they get platooned with Ryan Zimmerman yes. hits first lefties and Eric Thames hits first righties. You mentioned earlier that Thames can't hit lefties, and I know Ryan Zimmerman's a good hitter against lefties, so they would definitely do the first base platoon to get two guys. They still have a uh, Matt Adams. I, like hmm. he could be there too, which is just another one of those power hitting lefty 
first baseman. Let's see, where is Matt Adams? Matt Adams well, signed year with in the, the Mets, actually. Mm. He didn't play much in the playoffs last year. They used, like, I think, Howie Kendrick at first base. Right. When Zimmer was in the lineup. Gerardo yeah. Parra got a few. Baby Shark. Yeah. Yeah, Thames, I just loved his career OPS. Lefties, first left-handed pitchers, 650. There's right-handed pitchers, 839. Yeah. Like, from B, 650 is probably about replacement level, and 839 is significantly above average. It's a big difference. And usually when you see that big of a difference, it's probably due to breaking balls. Because, obviously, for a right-handed, for a left-handed hitter like Thames is, it's hard to see a left-handed curveball. So... It's a little weird to me that he had a lot of success in Korea when they were throwing him a lot of curveballs. And then here he comes back and he has such huge platoon numbers. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if eventually in Korea they did, he was able to, probably the stuff wasn't quite as good. So he was able to wait, wait, take bad pitches and wait for good fastballs. Yeah, I think a 90-mile-an-hour slider from the left side, left on left, is pretty tough to hit. And I don't imagine he was facing too much of that in Korea. The Brewers, who's their next veteran washed first baseman they're going to turn around? It's Justin Brown. I know, exactly. I was about to say. Because Thames and Aguilar both. Brown Braun's been playing first, hasn't he? No, he's been in left consistently, I think. He... He's gotten a few chases right. He's been playing a little bit of first, but he, he probably will play some first because they got Avi Garcia in left now. They signed they Ryan did, Kane They did acquire Ryan, Ryan Healy. Oh. Mm. Who, That's a scary. Yeah. Scary. Sounds University. Scary oh, stop, stop. Okay. Trivia. Trivia. Where did Ryan Healy go to college? Jack cannot answer. Gonna go with the University of Arizona because of your no, reaction. That is wrong. Like, it is a Pac-12 school. I'll give you that. Arizona I don't know Pac-12 schools. No. UCLA. Stop, Jack. Oregon. Oh. Yes. Ryan Healy went to the University of Oregon. Can you believe it? I mean. Yeah. Shout out to you. can definitely believe that. Wow. Yeah. So they also, they also, they also have Justin Smoke, the Brewers signed Justin. Yeah. Yeah. As a free hitter. And they have Logan Morrison, who they signed to a minor. They still have Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko. I don't know. That guy. I mean, that guy is as slow as they come. They do have Chechenko. Yeah. So you got to feel like they're going to be able to turn one of those guys around into a the big Always seem to do that. Do, do you know what power hitter I think may have a turnaround season this year? I think he's going to age like wine, and I think he's going to actually be really good this year. Go ahead. He's going to say Ed. Third, third base. Third base. A.L. West. Well, we have to guess. Um, yeah, it's not Matt Chapman. Tommy LaStella. Not Bregman, not Rendon. Not Rendon, not, not Bregman. Seager. Seattle Seager. Nope. No, it's Texas. 
Who's who Texas? Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier. It is Todd Frazier. I think Todd Frazier will actually have a – I think he'll have a good season this year. His numbers – Josh- have you his, seen him swing though? He like I know it's crazy, but I think his swing is pretty crazy. But I do think he'll have a good season this year, and he played better than you would think. I mean, he did have a two fifty batting average. All right, it's, it's all right. OBP three twenty nine, not as good, not really that good. But his OPS awesome. was seven seventy two, which is not terrible. Solidly and league he, average. Right he there. did. He did hit twenty one home runs. And I think, being with the Rangers right now, I think he will have a very good year this year. I think he gets outlapped by Josh Young, their top prospect. Or overlapped. They're just going to replace him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, stat cast numbers right now. He is – Frazier is pretty far below average in exit velocity. And usually when you got a big power hitter like that, you got to hope they can at least hit the ball hard. And that he has not really done that. I don't know. Could the I, don't know. New, I think the Todd Father ballpark turn around here. Yeah, Chase, yeah. I don't know if it's a pitcher's park. Or I'm pulling. It's I'm pulling for Todd Frazier. It's a pitcher's park, is what I've heard. It's really it deep, and it's got these odd dimensions in the outfield. Like every every mm-hmm. like so feet is like a new deepness. It's really mm-hmm. odd. Uh, but yeah, I heard Joey Gallo complaining about how deep it is over there. Mm-hmm. Um, he should still. I think Joey Gallo is going to hit it over manage. anything, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have a little bit of time left. Should we move on to some trivia questions to finish off the show? Yeah, let's go. All right. All right. Who wants to go first? I'd I like vote. Jack to start. I don't want to go first. I'll, I'll start. I think you should go first. I've got some good, some good questions. Um, Chase, I want you to go first. <laughs> No, mine's the best. So mine's the best for last. Oh, okay. Fine. Okay. Well, well I'm, gonna start, I'm gonna start us off with the best ones, actually. Um, do you think Ricky Henderson has stole more or less than a marathon worth of stolen bases? Twenty-six point two miles worth of stolen bases. Interesting. Well, he's stolen see. a couple. Let's thousand. do some quick math. Don't don't dive into the math. I'm gonna do it way too easy. I okay, know you guys so, would do that. He stole like. Tell me if this is right. This I just like. I, I might know. Remember. Is it? Is it fourteen fifty eight? Is that like the total? That sounds. That right sounds right. Someone mm, fact. I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking. Okay. Well, now you guys are gonna actually calculate it and figure it out. Fourteen oh six. No, is my answer. Fourteen oh six stolen bases times ninety feet. Mm-hmm. Like you could do this. I, no, no, no way. No, that's like 23.5 no miles. Wait, no can way. you ask the question again? Can you ask the question more <laughs> Oh, my Chase, God. Chase, where has, have you been? Has Ricky Henderson stole more or less than a marathon worth of stolen bases? You guys are right. It's less. He stole about 23.1 miles worth of stolen oh, bases. Oh, I thought it wasn't. Now, oh, I, I've got I another. Oh, is this this? Okay, keep going. I've got a follow-up to that. So, do you think Barry Bonds yes. has intentionally walked over a, more or less than a half marathon worth oh, of I intentional think walks? More. I think more. definitely he has. Sure. It actually – it came pretty close. Half marathon 13.1, right? It came out to about 13.4 miles mm. worth of stolen – or worth of intentional walks. And, and do you guys want to guess how many – 
miles worth of total walks Barry Bonds yes. has had. Forty-four point one. Yeah, it's about forty-three miles worth. Yeah. Interesting. Insane. Uh, my trivia questions. It's a kind of a multi-part one. It's they're difficult. It's more of an interesting fact. I don't think you guys are gonna get these, but I'll try them out. So first up. I was talking to Zach about this earlier, so he knows the answer. But what do you guys think the most OBI in one game by one player, but their team loses? Uh, I'm going to guess. Um, this is probably wrong, but I did see the other day that Fernando Tatis Sr. Hit just like, the number. Just, just guess the number. Oh, guys. the number. How many oh, OBI? Seven. More I'll, than go, I'll go 10. Less than 10. Oh, eight. Eight OBIs. It's happened four times. Um, four times a player's gotten eight OBI and the team ends up losing the game. The most notable player who did it in 1932. <laughs> uh, Lou, Gehrig. Lou Gehrig is correct. The other guys you probably yes. won't get. They are Lee Thomas, Mike Epstein, and Jason Bay. All had eight OBI. Maybe would have gotten Jason Bay. Yeah, maybe. And then the second part of this is what do you – same question but for home runs in the game. Most home runs in the game and the team loses. Four home runs? One okay. player is at four home runs in a loss. He played for the 1986 Atlanta Braves. All right. Let's Not see. a very well-known guy. Oh, dang it. Um, I mean, should I go do mine? Here's your hint. Here's your hint. Chase. <laughs> he has the same last name as a current Cub player. Mike Bryant. No. <laughs> Not uh, related. Let's Oh, Hendricks. Someone's got to have Hendricks. No. Um, Baez? No. <laughs> Just Frisney. Uh, uh, let's go Hayward. No, no, I don't Almora, Schwarber, Bryant Rizzo, Descalzo, <laughs> um, Contreras, Caratini, Lester Hendricks, Quintana, um, um, Kimbrell, Dale Winkler. Murphy. Dale Murphy was actually hitting in front of this guy in the game, but oh, the player that, that doesn't is help. Bob Horner. Ah, Bob Bob Horner hit four home runs against the Montreal Expos in 1986, and they lost 11 to eight. Wow. No that's, relation that's to Nico tough. Horner. No, different spelling too. So, mm. ah. all right, here's mine. The two-parter. Who has played the most total games without making a single postseason appearance? Ooh. Matt Stafford. Um, ah, the Lions have made some. I'll give you the number. 2,528 total games. Ichiro. Mm, that's a really good oh, guess. that's a good guess. Jim Tomei. Is it a Mariner? But, but Ichiro made the postseason with the Yankees. That's right. I believe. Tommy's made the postseason. Yeah, he was on the Indians in 95. And yeah, he's won. And he hasn't um, won anything. 
but he's made the play. Was that a good guess? No, no. That was a bad guess, All Chase. Right. Edgar. No, it's he was in the play. Oh wait, it's a oh, Mariner. Nineteen no. No. Nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, shortstop. Connie Mack. Mario uh, Mendoza. I'll tell you what, I have his autograph. Oh, that helps. Ernie Banks. Ozzie Smith. Ernie Banks. Wait, is it really? Yeah. Oh, because they made the postseason. Because they only had one postseason series, right? Yeah, they only had the in the '69 team, and they missed it because the Mets beat them out. Yeah, that's sad. And then, who is the who has the most games without making the playoffs? Current player, which current player? And keep in mind, it's going to be a position player because okay. oh, because yeah. it's teams. I would have said King Felix, but Felix, yeah, Felix has been like a part of a most team, but he hasn't played in. I mean, it's got to um, be a Mariner or, or like a Padre. Uh, Jose Abreu. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I feel. Third baseman. Third baseman. Mariner. Kyle Seeger. Kyle Seeger. Yeah. Wow. Boy, Which is very sad. <laughs> I do. Ernie Banks is. I mean, he won two MVPs and never made the playoffs. <laughs> He's got a World Series ring. They gave him one. He was yeah. like dead, actually, but like Trout's um, never won a postseason game. I don't think he's led in a postseason game, but he, he was, made it. His yeah, two thousand fourteen, when they lost to the Royals. If you want to learn more about how bad the Mariners are, watch John or yes. John Boyce videos on YouTube. He's got a huge series going it's on amazing. the history of the Seattle Mariners. Great series, would recommend. Anyway. Chase, you got any trivia? Yeah, I do have trivia. That's your Chase's right. awesome trivia question. Oh, yeah. Madison Bumgarner gave up one run in 21 innings in the 2014 World Series. The last, 14, the last 14 innings, he did not allow a run. Who holds the MLB record for scoreless innings pitched in a World Series? Bob Gibson. No. In Cy a single Young. game? No. In... Who holds MLB scoreless innings pitched in a World Series? Like total? A single World Series. I, I think it's the series. Andy yeah. Pettit. That's a good guess. No. Good guess. David mm. Cohn. Rivera. Mariano Rivera. No. No. Mm. We got a hint. Uh, this player is very old. <laughs> Jamie Moyer. No. Um, Let me look up Christy Mathewson. Like what they no, say, but like good guess. Walter, like... Walter Johnson. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1974. Ooh. So, Sandy Koufax. He pitched from 1950 to 1967, 17 yeah. years. Koufax? No, no, yeah, he didn't have that long. 70. Well, he was. Mm-hmm. He did not um, play 50. He did not play in 51 or 52 because he was in the military oh, service. Mm. Wait. In the fifties, I gotta look into that. Was, uh, Don Newcomb, Don Sutton, no, no, Don Drysdale, <laughs> no. God, we need to make Don. Can we make a team full of Dons? Hall of, Fa- Hall of Famer, Cy Young, ten-time All Star. And if I told you the next one, I'd probably give it away. But then, give us a better hint. <laughs> that doesn't give. Yeah. Me, uh, 
She's 91 not, now. Uh, that helps so much. <laughs> um, Let's go for it. Tom Sutton, as I said. Played in the AL East. So he's a Yankee. Ron Lefty Gidry? Grove. Lefty Grove. When did Ron Gidry play? No. Whitey Ford. Give me Whitey Ford. Yeah, Whitey. It is Whitey oh, Ford. Oh, yeah. Whitey. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was I thinking. I feel like of. that was a good one. So he, yeah. had the, he had the most scoreless innings pitch in the World Series, Whitey Ford. How many? It was. Let's take a look here. Deep dive into Whitey right. Ford. Well, I've got my trivia question while he searches for that. Who is the first player in MLB history to hit 40 home runs, 40 doubles, and 40 stolen bases in a single season? Alfonso Soriano. Yup. Nice. First try. Jack gets nice. it. Nice. One of my favorites back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just knew he was a 40-40 player, and I just assumed that it wouldn't be like A-Rod. So, yeah. Uh, um, I have kind of a weird one. But go for it. So, DraftKings has been keeping track of fantasy points for each player since 2014. Which single player do you think has had the most DraftKings points in one game since 2014? Oh, Which game? game? Which game? Anthony Rendon. Anthony oh, Rendon. Great guess. 10 OBI game is. Tied for first oh, with yeah. another notable performance. Chris Bryant's five for five? No. no. Matt Carpenter's no. five for five? Nolan Arenado's cycle? No. Like, no, no. like Scooter Jeanette, J.D. Martinez, they're one of their four home run games. Oh. Scooter Jeanette's four Scooter. home run game. Now, so, yeah, Scooter Jeanette's four home run game and Anthony Rendon's 10 o- – they both had 10 OBI in those games. Hmm. Tied for first place for pitchers, what do you guys think it is? Uh, in a game? Jake Arrieta, Dodgers no-hitter. Nope, that is number oh. 10. Scherzer, 20 oh, strikeout oh, Scherzer's Mets no-hitter. Yeah. It is Scherzer's Mets no-hitter. The 20 yeah. strike – it – 20 oh. strikeouts, he gave up a couple hits, and he hit Jose Tabata, so that's not good. Oh, happen. yeah. Okay. Can I ask, is Vince I, Velasquez's 16 strikeout game on that Number list? seven. Really? Because wow. I remember, I just, I just remember, like, I had no idea who Vince Velasquez was. It was, like, my first time playing fantasy baseball, and I saw that he had a 16 strikeout game, and I was just dumbfounded. <laughs> who is this guy? Uh, Chase, yes. Vince Velasquez um, is actually think, an interesting player. I think Mariano Rivera may have tied it actually. Uh oh. But I, so I, I can't it, tell. I can't tell because it says postseason play. But I'm not well, sure. You if said that's... single. You said it was. I was talking about World Series, but I got. I'm getting postseason. From... No I, World I, Series. Well, no, I said World Series okay. on the first of all, but. I'm. It, this says postseason play, but it may be. I think Whitey Ford still has it, but Mariano Vera did have 33 and one quarters inning pitched, scoreless in the postseason. One third inning. One third. Um, I've got another trivia question. 
which pitcher in the last five years has the most called strikes? Mm. Zach Ranky. <laughs> no. Called strikes? Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks is right. Nice. <laughs> because people don't swing and miss much. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. He, he just peppers the strike zone. And All he right. can expand the zone, too. I got one. Who's the only pitcher to ever throw a no-hitter on opening day? This guy's oh. a Hall of, Hall of Famer. Uh, Wait, I know that. Pedro Martinez. I feel like played I in the forties. Oh, in the forties! Oh my God! He's against the White Sox. Uh, or I definitely heard this somewhere. No, he played in the eighties. Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Christy was, Matthewson. Think who would play the White Sox a lot? So Bob Feller. Bob Feller. Yeah. Interesting fact about Bob Feller. He only pitched in one minor league game ever. Wow. Before he was called up. And time. after he got called up, he had a couple relief appearances. Then his first start, I believe, a fifteen strikeout game. Then he had a seventeen strikeout game, which is he set the record. And then he finished high school. Like two days later, he was who also the, a, a war hero. Who is the most recent player to not play a single minor league game? Uh, well, does like, what, does international you see Kikuchi? Yeah. Oh Shohei no, Otani. drafted. My bad, drafted. Okay, drafted. Uh, drafted. Like, someone out of college probably. He is active, active in the big oh. leagues today. Mm-hmm. Someone out of college. Didn't Nico Horner like, get called up really fast? Yeah, but he no. played in the minors. He played. He played in the minors. Oh, who like didn't play in the games. minors? Hmm. Never played a minor league game. Nope. Is it someone that went to like college, then went to like Japan for a little while, and then? What? No. Why is what? this? Why is this unique? Tell us why this is. How could this happen? Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. He did okay, great in college. He, is he a pitch, p- pitcher or position player? He's a pitcher. He went straight to the Arizona Fall League and then made the team out of spring training in 2010. He beat out a Aroldis Chapman for the fifth starter spot. So this is on the Reds? Johnny Quinn. No, he didn't get drafted, did he? Um, oh, can't be Bronx and Arroyo. No, good guess. Very good Bronx guess. No. Uh, Not Homer. No. I know Brandon Finnegan won the College World Series and the World Series, and he competed in the College World Series and World Series in the same year. That's how what, well, how good is this player now? Like, what caliber um, player are we talking now? I believe Chase once talked about how underrated this player was. Mike Leak? Mike no Leak. way! Yes. Mike yeah. Leak, really? Hey, Mike oh, Leak has, has had a solid career, and I don't think he's getting props where props One of the few current he just big, doesn't get big injured. pitchers that wears a single-digit number. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, there aren't many Blake Snell. Clayton Richard, Hannah Montavino, but they're like they're if you think about like any pitcher, they probably don't wear a single dude. Right. That's interesting. 
Um, did Mike Leak win the uh, Gold Glove last year? Right. I think he did. That sounds. And I thought Grinky won it. I think what happened was they both of those Mike Leak and Zach Granky were traded mid-season to the other yeah, league. You're right. So I think Granky won like National League right. or National League Gold Glove, but finished in the AL. And Leak started with the Mariners, won AL Gold Glove, and finished with the Diamondbacks. Right. Yep. So yeah, Leak won there. I can't tell which Gold Glove it, but he did win a Gold Glove. I All right. Was I, the AL. AL. Mike Leake was also arrested in 2011 for shoplifting six t-shirts from Macy's. Nice. And he removed the price tags and tried to leave without paying for them. <laughs> That's a little bit weird. Anyway. Should I go with mine? I actually like this one. This one's good. Wrap it up. Alrighty. In 1955, Willie Mays led the NL in home runs and triples, and Mickey Mantle did the same in the AL. Who is the only player since then to lead a league in both categories in the same season? Triples and home runs. Home runs. Alfonso yes. Soriano. No. Chipper Jones. No. No. A hint is AL East in the seventies. Hmm. So it's a Yankee. Thurman Munson. No. Uh, Reggie Jackson. Can't be. No. Oh, Carlton Fisk, uh, Carly Stremski, Fred Lynn, Wait, Dwight Evans. Jacob, what did you say? Jim Rice. It is Jim Rice. Oh, really? Oh. It is. Jim Rice. Very. All bo- he played 16 years for the Red Sox. Yeah. I mean, that is just like loyalty right there. A bunch of those Red 1978, Sox. 1978, he, he led the, he led, um, the uh, AL in both home runs and triples. Well, they didn't have free agency back then, so it was tough to, to yeah. switch teams. As MLB The Show would call it, the, uh, the phenom, or what, what is it? The, the anomaly. The anomaly, yes. Jim Rice, the OG anomaly. That's his nickname now. Speed and power. One last right. question. Kind of like a Jose Ramirez-esque like player. Take it on. I guess, I guess. All right, I got one more question. It's kind of long, so I think it's a good one to wrap up on. So, there are 27 players that have hit 500 home runs. Yeah. Two of them are switch hitters. Mm. Who are they? Mickey Mantle. Yes. No. Mickey Mantle, sure. Mickey Mantle's the easy one. Switch hitter, 500 home runs. 500 low home runs. He was not no, a switch hitter. Dang it. I had switch. I no. Like no. Just... Babe Ruth was a lefty. Bro, well, Chase, you've just lost day. all credibility as a baseball fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chipper didn't hit 500. No, Chipper hit 468. Oh, so close. So close. Let's see. Eddie Murray, gotta be right. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Yeah. Yes, sir. Good. Eddie Come on. Murray. Orioles. Well, who was the last switch hitting AL MVP? Vita Blue. The pitcher. <laughs> who was the last switch hitting NL MVP? Um, Chipper. <laughs> Probably. Let me see. I don't know. I don't know. It's gotta be Chipper or like 
Shane Victory. <laughs> I don't know. Josh Bell. I think Chippo won one. So I think I Michael think Lorenzen. Not a switch hitter. Should. should nope. Uh, it is Jimmy Rollins. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's Phillies. I forgot Jimmy he was Rollins. a switch hitter. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolute legend. All right. Phillies, if Jimmy you Rollins. made it. If you made it to the end of the podcast right here, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. This is 88.1 FM, WMTH Radio, the voice of New Trier. This is Bases Loaded, and that's my motivation. So thank you all for listening in, and good night. Loaded Bases, that's my motivation. Feeling lucky, we should go to Vegas. 2018 motor transportation Got me feeling over anxious like a home invasion My dough inflated and I'm more creative It's like a couple big deals but it's no parade See it's a couple, it's every generation I wasn't supposed to make it out with the code the matrix And when they get to speak it's like a coded language Reminds that they strength and all the stolen greatness We used to that is at the mobile station Full circle, mobile motivation My self-educated through negotiations Got these sharks that I'm sitting at this table with afraid to bait me No ten on my Mercedes, that's for inspiration Two kilos on my neck like the 80s Boy, side slots and have no my demonstration Born and raised, y'all affiliated It's really greatness Riding round like I really made it Loaded bases, I'm going Willie Mays Yeah Listen to my ambition cause I'm on one Swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I've got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them You got the ball, I'ma take it home Bottom line, I'ma make it home I was sitting on my link and I start thinking mm-hmm. I ain't gonna make a hundred mil off in these traces more than likely, I'm gonna end up in somebody bracing. Even worse, horse and cares run to church, laid off in the hearse. I dealt with it. I ain't just out here for my health with it. I weigh the risk and the reward to sink the scale tipping. Let's all get on one accord and take the world. Take the money, take the power, and the girls with us. Can't buy that bull that they sell. They bring drug heads in jail. Look all these ways they derailed. That's why I respect me to the utmost when you see me, it's how I feel. Cause I ain't failed. See it coming, did not tell Different lanes, same passion for the male Switch lanes, all black, two glass sellers B12 too fast, gone Listen to my ambition, cause I'm on one Swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I've got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them you got the ball, I'ma take it home Bottom line, I'm gonna make it home